Krull. Oh yeah. I love Krull. The Maki? Oh yeah. The Maki, I could take or leave. No, no strong opinions either way there for me. Oh yeah. It's time for the rules of why you're such a bad boyfriend and I want to break up with you. Hello. Um, <laughs> hello. And welcome <laughs> to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we are going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Not eight. Uh, anyways, yes, the greatest TV show to... I don't know. This one's pretty great. That's 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 it's pretty great. Tipping your hand in the intro there, buddy. Oh, uh, okay. What's well, that? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's written by Ronald D. Moore, who we think is pretty great. Yes. Also tipping. Uh, anyways, with me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. I think this episode's pretty great, too. Okay. I don't want you to be out there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I was like worried. Are we not going to agree that it's pretty? And also with me and James is Hugh Crawford. <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. Yes, I think this one's pretty great too. All right. <laughs> All right. You were the one. You were the one I was. I was nervous about. Okay. Yeah. 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 We'll get into. Yeah, my name is Wade Bowen. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, let's get into it. This is for the calls. Correct. That yes, that's yes, right. This is for the cause. No, this is episode twenty-one of season four. It originally aired on May sixth, nineteen ninety-six, and here is the IMDb description: Cisco must face betrayal when evidence surfaces that Cassidy is smuggling for the Maquis. Meanwhile, Garrick makes acquaintance with Ziel. Um, yeah, and like we said, we think this one's pretty much. This is a pretty much Ace's episode. Even the B plot. Yeah. Gives us a lot of what we want. It gives us a lot of Garrick. It does. Uh, it's weird in this episode. It's, it's, yeah, the, I'm know. not complaining about the content of the plot. It's a, it's an interesting plot. No, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I got, I got there. a quarrel, but uh, it's weird. Well, <laughs> sure. It's weird how it doesn't, it's like pretty disconnected from the A plot, but you know, it's fine. That happens in Star Trek all the time. Yeah, and I'll say that that was a late... This is a weird thing where I was reading about what Ronald D. Moore was originally writing. And basically, there's two parts of the A-plot. There's the stuff about the Reclamators, and then there's the stuff with going on with Cassidy Yates and these runs that she's making. <laughs> there was a third plot in Ronald D. Not Reclamators, Replicators. I'm sorry, there's a difference. I thought they were Reclamators. Um, um, actually... No, they're Replicators. Repli I thought they were Reclamators. No, they're, no, they're... They were Replicators. Yeah, they're Class 4 Industrial Replicators. <laughs> don't, not... fuck with, don't, don't fuck with... Don't fuck with <laughs> yeah. Wade, James. Um, um actually... <laughs> class 4. <laughs> I'm pushing my eyeglasses back up on my nose as I tell you this. You beat me when you said Class 4. There was no way that you wrote Class 4 and got the Reclamator wrong. <laughs> like, so, yeah. I, I knew... You just had to say class four buddy <laughs> yeah because they only came up with the class three reclamators they didn't even go, <laughs> yeah. the reclamators don't even go up to class <laughs> they four. never had those fours yeah there was theories about them being around during the nemesis time after nipples <laughs> i'm sorry go ahead um okay but he was originally going to write there was another maki storyline about how the klingons had went into supplying the maki to fight the cardassians so that the maki was essentially siding with with the Klingons. 
Oh. And for some Iran Contra shit coming. Yeah, and there wasn't any Garrick in the episode. Mm. And then um, he was sort of told to remove the Klingon part of the storyline and add the Garrick stuff. <laughs> but he's like, I'm Ronald D. Moore. I do Klingon stuff. What are you doing here? Don't, 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 don't tie my hands behind my back. I'm Ronald D. Moore, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm writing the movies. I'm all about that. I wrote the first two movies. I'm all about that. Uh, so, so yeah, so I guess that that's what happened there. So, so the, the, that was sort of a late addition. But I, okay. I don't know. Yeah. Can we yeah. just talk? Can we talk about that before we do the whole? Because I feel like the A plot is a giant. Yeah, line. do we want to just do the B plot? It's pretty separate. Yeah, yeah. The the B plot is Garrett gets a beard. <laughs> okay, so Jesus. Okay, so the I first mean, thing I have to ask is um, sorry. I mean, I felt, but really, I I I'm gonna make a case. But sorry, go ahead. No, he's playing it like he's looking at her titties and stuff. Like he's no, he's not. Yeah, he did well. Well, I didn't see that. I saw him. Julian got jealous. Put it that way. Well, he's just staring at her because they're they. Hey, we see Spring Ball, yeah, like in action. Kira's sport, and she's she's doing it. <laughs> and it's handball with a target. Yeah, yeah. But then there's <laughs> like also it's, a, it's handball. There's a physical component where you can check people, but you can't trip them because that's a foul. Oh come on, that was a foul. Yeah, but you can throw them into the walls and stuff. And then they have like the audience, like old school TNG, where they're watching a recital or something. Yeah, they have that on DS Nine. Yes, but with Bajorans and cheering for and he's for elbows, right? And Garrett keeps glancing over at Zial. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's a, he's above her, so he can't see her tits or anything. So well, I don't think that's where it's about. He's checking. Her he's out. checking her out. But to me, so do we think she's? So they recast her. Yeah, and she's clearly an older sexually mature woman now yes and i think I, in a way I, I that she wasn't really? the actress who played it before wasn't they moved up the zial timeline didn't they quite a bit it feels I like i think so to get to get to get garrick some pussy <laughs> like i think is what happened there uh, i see i saw it totally different than that but i what i didn't notice her being that much older i i saw her just a whole different type though she was demure zial i think what like okay? You're in a bar. Because you're in a her, bar, and first Zial and second Zial are there. No matter what you think of, you're not talking the first Zial because uh, you don't know how old she is. I I don't know the age didn't think. Second Zial seems like a safe like second Zial seems like a mature woman. And I and, I don't know. I don't. I, that didn't. Okay, that's interesting. I I don't know. I don't know the age differences between the actresses, but I think I wondered if they recast they cast her up to like. To enter into a sexual storyline. See, I didn't notice the age at all. Because if I'm laying my cards out, I prefer ZL1. Because she had more bite to her, even if she was young or whatever. Like, this ZL you mean is as just, an actress. You mean as an actress. As right? an actor, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not talking about her jawline. I don't know anything. But uh, <laughs> her, uh, but she. this ZL was just the demure, quiet, like, shy ZL. And the other one, I felt like, did that. But she, I mean, just a different actor. She approaches the role differently and i the whole b-plot for me for me it didn't scream to me that garrick was trying to was had the hots for her it was just like it felt like he was i mean i don't know i, I this is weird because i can't have the hots for him 
I must have watched a completely different episode than you. Yeah, I thought that he was. It felt to me. No, he was totally going after her. I don't know. This is this is where this is it's this is delicate for me because I'm not a gay man and I don't want to talk about anybody in the closet. Well, we know we know the story behind it. I mean, he was supposed to be one version. He had one vision for the character. Yeah. But the showrunners chickened out, so they went a different direction. Yeah. I think this is them showing clearly showing that they're going a different direction. My the way I saw it and the way that the actors like when you're trying and this is why I don't this maybe I need to cut we need to cut this whole thing. But if you're if you're in the closet and you're trying to pass and you find a good beard and like, oh look, we're both I think you're making it more interesting than it is. We're both in desperate situations and we both also have a lot in common. It's not like I need you to pass, but we can, you would be a great companion and we could kind of do. And, and she's like, well, you know, we, I don't have anything else either. Look, I'm not trying to kill you, but like, I just, I miss a bajor. So in our loneliness for home and for the culture or what we want to live like, hey, we might as well form a companionship and hook up. But I didn't see, maybe it's because I was like, oh, look, he's got a beard. But I didn't see him having a sexual attraction to her. I see, saw him being attracted to her and like, I, and I'm curious to learn about this person who I have so much in common. Like we're both the only Cardassians on the station. Wait, they're going, they're going in a hollow deck to get sweaty together. Yeah. They, what in the world are you watching? That was <laughs> because that's, that's, that was coded fucking at the end of the storyline. Yeah, most definitely. Well, I mean, for they're me, just it was like, she, you think they're just two lizards slunning on a rock, but I mean, like, I think for me, well, I mean, and this is also like, I'm not a gay man, but I have, I have plenty of gay friends that have gone to saunas together, <laughs> which she asked him to go to the sauna. Okay, but you do realize that <laughs> he's, he's like, wait, not wait. really gay in the story. We just want him to be because it's better. I, I know, <laughs> I know, I know that that's the writers are like we have and to make him not gay. And you know he fucks her, and it becomes a plot. Point. <laughs> I know, but for up until I know where it goes, James. I know where it goes, okay, and I know okay. what they're trying he to had do. To actually, yeah. ruin it for people following along just to get Wade to get with the program, <laughs> right? But the way it was colored in this episode to me, I saw it as more as like, look, we could share this. And the and the and when she asked him to the sauna, like, oh. you know, to make a joke out, I was like, whoa, whoa I've been to saunas before, Bo. I see. He's like. Cool. Okay. Well, when I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to make this work. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can do this. Okay, Uh, man. But you're right. Yes. The writers. I I wish. I wish he was gay. I wish he was gay. I think the show would be. I think the storyline would be better if he was. But yes, you're totally right. You're totally right. He's put there in there because they didn't want to make. They wanted to give him a love interest, and they wanted to not make him. Yeah. Whatever. But the way that I saw and the way Andrew Robinson played it in this, where he's like, <gasps> to me, I didn't see his sexual attraction to her. I saw him being interested in her as the other Cardassian and having a relationship. I think and, then a- see, and then both of them being sad and lonely and trying to do this new thing since they have no other options. And that's where a lot of times when people are in the closet and they're like, look, we can get married and everything, and maybe we don't. We can have a non-regular relationship, but let's try to make this work, you know, because of my church or whatever, or but my you, culture. But you do realize that <laughs> like, you're stuffing like mountains of text into the the unspoken. Yes, I do. I, I'm totally on board with it. I, <laughs> I totally agree with you that the writers and t- but I say that if you look at it from that point of view, from the way that even Andrew Robinson portrays the character and stuff. 
I think you could you could see it that way. Whether so that's, you think that they're trying to do it in a like a Douglas Sirk way where you're really supposed to see it as like a I don't uh, you're supposed to see it differently. Well, no, I I don't think the writers are trying to do it that way, but I think that Andrew Robinson is good enough as an actor that he can portray some of that. Yes. I think that since I'm not as generous to the show as you are in that regard, I think that this feels broken to me. Yeah. Because a spell of Garrick a spell of Garrick's is broken. Knowing where it goes, I agree. But for this episode, because I'm trying to not color it with where we know it goes, that I was able to see that to me, it was like Andrew Robinson is fucking great because I could see that. I could see that angle in it and watching this B plot. But you're, you're totally right that the show is not trying to do that. <laughs> so for me, it's <laughs> I just it, think it, it's a power of the actor that could you can that. As, and if you want to see that, you can. Sure. Uh, I mean, you can for a little bit. <laughs> you can for like a right, lot of right, a long right, time. Right, right. Yeah, uh, well, I'm just trying to see as the show is going. Yeah. But yeah, so I think that it a little bit of the mystique of Garrick is broken by making him straight, and so I think that that is a lot of fun that ultimately they just kind of throw in the trash. Right. Well, then again, even from Andrew Robinson's perspective, he's not straight. Even at, even if he does have this hot for yeah, he could be by. Yeah, he could be by. He can be by. Yeah, that's true. But it does. It, he's obviously and, and the way that he talks to Julian in the spring ball thing, it feels like a caddy relationship. And Julian's like, well, "Come on, man, don't do that." You know, he's you could, clearly not you could, in love. Like, I guess that I the Garrick that I would want to see is a Garrick that is oddly committed to Bashir. Right, and right, so, right, right. And, and so this, hey, there's a card, there's a there's a lizard lady, <laughs> and I'm and I'm hot for her. Adding that in, but he is staring at right, her right, and like a, I think in a weird sexual, he looks like Gene Simmons too. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, he definitely is. They, they didn't want to leave any wiggle room for doubt as to what he was hoping to get or do, and that's why the stakes are so high with Kira. Like mm-hmm. Kira is not coming around threatening to kill him because they were going to be friends because they're going to get sweaty in a holodeck together. Well, yeah, but yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it's all subtext because it has to be. Though. Yes. Because you can't have gay characters. And that- she clearly just came into his shop and said, like, do you want to go to my room? <laughs> like, it's basically yeah, yeah, what she totally, said. Yeah, yeah. And, and he and his and then Andrew Robinson's like, oh, 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 my God. Um, 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 um. Well, I mean, okay, I guess I, I guess we can try this out, but I I don't know about this, you know, like okay, I'll try. That's the way I saw it because of- I guess they could have had her a little like if they were wanting to telegraph it as more dirty than it was when he walks into the cave and she's laying down, she could be in something I guess more revealing, right? But but that that would have been the one way they could have coded it a little bit more. But <laughs> they know how to do the Cardassian makeup. How they do the makeup? Yeah, they don't know how to make a naked Cardassian. Yeah, yeah, or or just a lower <laughs> the, the yeah. upholstery. The upholstery doesn't work for that, James. Should we move on to the A plot where a lot of shit happens? <laughs> Probably. Sure. All right. Well, basically, Michael Eddington gets. We haven't seen him in a while. We haven't, right? Yeah. I mean, not in this capacity. We haven't seen. Right. All of a sudden, well, it, it starts off with it starts off with sexy times on DS Nine, right? Because like the Cassidy Yates and. Cisco stuff in this episode. Oh, yeah, that's got it's a, amazing. That's got a nice moment where he smells her pillow. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I thought that, See, that every was every brush colors in the stuff. Yeah, with different shades mm-hmm. than an average actor would, and I think yeah. that's that's all. That's like yeah, there's classic Avery Brooks right there. Yeah, it's like whole. You know, he's like, hey, look, let's just stay here in bed all day. Let's not go out. You know, it's it's you know, it's pretty good. And she's like, would you treat your whole staff like that? And he's like, yeah, that, yeah, I do. <laughs> That's right. I'm a paragon of virtue. I'm a Starfleet. Yeah. And then she gets up and she changes clothes like real fast. The magic mm. of editing. But whatever. But, but he smells their pillow. I, I don't know what your life experiences are like, but black women have uh, a very, the chemicals they use in their hair are very, very smelling. Uh, <laughs> okay. And uh, and and uh, and he wanted more of that. And I, I thought that was a nice touch. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I think it was a I dig that. I think that scene. I don't understand why they have triangle pillows, but that's a minor. Yeah, the point. triangle pillows were funny to me. <laughs> and the future, they realize that rectangle pillows fuck you up. So yeah, we only <laughs> yeah. need this much of the pillow. It's yeah. efficient. Right. My head is not square. They're Cardassian pillows. The Cardassians yeah, probably <laughs> left them on the station. Yeah, right. So yeah, yeah so everything's going good with the really. I mean, this everything's better than good with Cisco and Cassidy Yates at the beginning of this episode. Mm-hmm. So right there, you got a little bit of your emotional stakes. Yeah, put in built in. Uh, but like, and then pretty soon, Michael Eddington. Sh- and his fucking face shows up on the scene. And <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he's like, nobody with a level. There's a lot of levels in class and numbers in this episode. Like nobody with a, without a level seven security clearance can know about these class four industrial replicators, not reclamators. God, just how but, much he crawled up Odo's ass in this one too irritated to me. Like yeah, he's hanging yeah, out yeah. with him all of a sudden. Like me and Odo have discussed it. Me and Odo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've talked about it. And we think, yeah, yeah I, they're getting they're getting twelve replicators of CFI replicators, and Bajor only got two or four or something, and yeah, and the DMZ gets brought back up, and the Maquis are in the Badlands, which and they're worried that the Maquis are going to steal the replicators, so, right? The um, Badlands, which also where the rebels hang out in the Mirror Universe. Oh uh, yes, yes, uh, and it's what sent Janeway to the. Delta Quadrant or ga- whatever, Gamma, Delta, whatever mm. Quadrant. Oh, is that where the Collector the, or whatever? To the Janeway Quadrant. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, I guess and it ends with, uh, it, before the cold open sort of ends, uh, Michael Eddington and Odo come together and we've been talking and, and this is great. A- Avery Brooks is amazing in this whole episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really but uh, except for one scene, which I want to. I have theory about his acting, but he's pretty great in this episode. But he comes in at like um, they're like, so we think that we have a Maquis infiltrator living on the station, and he goes who? And they like him and Hall, and they keep yeah. and he keeps going who, who? Yeah, <laughs> and it's Cassidy Yates. That's impossible. Yeah, yeah. And so after the after the intro, yeah, he's freaking out about right. it. Right, she's been going to Dre on seven. One thing I wanted to bring up in that he goes, he goes, she's a Federation citizen. Yeah, and Michael Eddington says, if you're um, if you're helping the Maquis, you've foregone right. your Federation citizenship. If you're Ma- if she's Maquis, then she's no longer a Federation citizen. Which is like that's pretty fucking extreme. We don't even do that with ISIS. Yeah, that's yeah, that, pretty fucked up. Like, right? Yeah, you can't. With that one guy that was like a Al Qaeda defector, they didn't they try to say he wasn't an American anymore because he gave it yeah, up. Yeah, they lost that. They lost yeah. that. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Well. Uh, when you're an American citizen, you you unless you publicly renounce it in a in a government of another country, 
in a formal way, you are still a citizen of America. Okay. Well, I think when they the Maquis did formally announce it when they when the treaty came out, but but I'm sure that like, just because she, you're, I'm sure that she wants to keep her federation. Yeah, yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. I'm but sure. just because you help them doesn't. Yeah, which is it is extreme. You're right. Yeah. So I, it sounds like they kick them out of the federation. But anyway, so that that seemed extreme, and that sets up the whole. I can't tell if it's a theme of the episode or not, but just like, are the Maquis bad well that's that's and and so i well here's okay all right wait a minute here's and here's my thing with the maquis in general we've talked about yeah this whole are they the like where do they belong in the spectrum of like right and wrong is irrelevant for the first time in the maquis history because what is pressing on this issue on this episode what makes this episode great is not the politics of the Maquis and whether it's good or bad or whatever, it's the theme of this episode doesn't deal with that at all. The Maquis is just a plot instrument to put pressure on the relationship between Cisco and his responsibilities in the station and his personal feelings. And that is what's compelling about it. The Maquis themselves aren't the interesting thing here. It's, I, I, seen, but there I, is I, a scene. There is a scene. Seeing Cisco, I know. See, and, and you know what? And it's not even Cisco himself even says he doesn't give a damn. Yeah, he's telling you at the end of this episode that right. whether the the Maquis, whether you are justified motherfucker or not does not matter. You have fucked with my personal life. You have fucked with my station, and now and then I will be coming after you as a result. Mm-hmm. It seeing Cisco be dealt a blow on a professional and personal level simultaneously is what's interesting about this episode that i agree the with that. themselves agree. is not well, yeah well yeah i agree but i agree that that's what's interesting about this episode but i i mean there is something to be said about the Marquee, there is a whole like, scene about the the moral quality of, i mean with, yeah. uh, with o'brien and Worf and, Worf and o'brien uh, talk about the yeah, moral. Is, like, that scene is there because they haven't dealt with the maquis in 18 months in real time and they need to bring the 1996 audience back up to speed on what the fuck the maquis is but also the fact that it's played throughout this episode like is is cassidy yates actually acting against cisco is and you're like oh maybe they're setting it up like maybe she's a maquis agent but again like you said but like i think i'm the organization the maquis and their politics aren't the interesting thing about this episode they're not what makes the episode work it's not the most interesting but it's not irrelevant it's not irrelevant to the episode i'm not saying it's irrelevant i'm just saying that this is not basically the maquis is it the maquis such an interesting or compelling idea <laughs> well it, it's it, look at cisco and how this is disrupting his life uh, on a personal professional level that is interesting to watch yeah you hate the maquis we know that but that's that i think there is something interesting about the maquis as the maquis I actually don't i don't hate the maquis and so much you hate them as a story as much, to fight, not as a yeah, political. Yeah, yeah. well, that, that, that's 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 the thing is that like, I don't hate anything in a story as long. This is a great example, okay, of how the Maquis should be used in this universe. This is a perfect example about it. But sometimes the show and the people overestimate how interesting the Maquis are themselves. You know, we had Cisco had to deal with a similar situation where he had the old friend come back and he turned on him. 
and turned out to be, you know, the was he was a captain, right? His friend was a captain, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right. And we dealt with almost all, every single one of these issues of the morality of the Maquis themselves. That that that, and we did in the Wesley episode of of TNG, and and, and, right, right, yes, right, right. And I'm sure there's Chakotay episodes about it too. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, they all they're they're all shit though, aren't they? Yeah. For a reason. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, no. The Maquis aren't shit. They're, they're not shit in Voyager because the Maquis is shit. They're shit because the Maquis is used for shit in Voyager. Well, yeah. Okay, so I, most of the time, I agree with you that they're not. Like, I specifically agree that Maquis one and two with the guy from I'm Gonna Get You Sucker comes back and mm-hmm. and like I get all of that. I think I like those episodes more than you, but I don't think that it was the best version of this. I think maybe this episode is the best version of asking the question. And I think that I think even like I think you're right that the Michael Eddington liking Michael Eddington or not, it's not the issue. And uh, <laughs> nobody likes Michael Eddington. Let's be fair. No, no, because it's impossible <laughs> to like him. Well, but I think are that, there Michael Eddington stands out there? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, Kelsey Grammer. Star Trek has showed us so. Star Trek fandom has shown us so many different facets, weird facets of fandom. I've yet to uncover one corner of Michael Eddington fan. <laughs> I don't hate Michael Eddington. I don't hate Michael Eddington. I don't Eddington. hate I don't hate it. Well, I, I, mean, don't, I, I don't mean it's a character. I mean I, I don't just mean it's like a function of the show. I'm saying like that as a person in the in the theme of the show, I don't know if I hate him. Yeah. But because I think that I'm sympathetic to the Maquis, and I don't understand like and it's an interesting rub. Like, I think that if we were Federation officers, like if we were Federation members, us three, we would all say like, you know, the Federation's mostly good, but this, this Maquis stuff's kind of bullshit. So I do think that that, I mean, I like that it's complicated. Yeah. And I, right. and it's I very think complicated. that that I like about it because it's not clear cut. Yeah. And you do understand the Federation's viewpoint on it, but Michael Eddington, he lied and cheated and all of that stuff. And I get why Cisco, as a head of command, who put trust and got suckered. Yeah, right. I get that why why he hates the Maquis or why he hates Michael Eddington. But on the other hand, he basically treats Cassidy Yates as like he's bummed she's going away for a little bit. Not that she feels that she... Well, betrayed him yeah yeah she, he doesn't feel like she betrayed him at all no he doesn't because he what pisses cisco off about the maquis doesn't have anything to do with why they're fighting <laughs> like i mean he says at the end of the day, i don't give a damn about that <laughs> like but you yeah and he says it to but okay but here's the thing after all of this stuff i want to know okay do we do let's get into the i, I kind of want to wait for the big marquee questions till the end but well, the show the, I, feel the, like the, like, the, I feel like we're like five minutes into like the i know star yeah. trek the, okay. the star trek writers and the star trek story that we've had thus far never address never fully addresses the marquee issue Yes, that's a problem. They never me. resolve it because I think that, that they themselves could never agree on what their posi- what the universe is mm-hmm. or the world building that they're doing, what the official stance ought to be on that or else they would have resolved it. Yeah, well, because DS9 dealt with it as well as it was, but the, DS9 dealt with it because they were handed down edicts to do it by Rick Berman and stuff. And then it fell to Voyager to take the marquee plot and actually wrap it up, kind of. And they just, like, they just, like, kind of didn't give a shit and just turned it back into the Federation. This is after Voyager. Well, yeah, but, like... They actually, the marquee storyline's wrapped up next year of ES9. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's tangential to what DS9 wants to be about. Yeah, I agree. Whereas Voyager, like one of the central conflicts initially is that they have, you know, they're stranded in the middle of nowhere and half of the people they have on the ship as a crew are former terrorists. Mm-hmm. And then they just like, well, the show should have been dealing with that a lot. But then they just kind of like, oh, but we want to do Star Trek stuff and we don't want to get into those muddy issues. So everybody just jumps on board as Federation. And not only that, and I do get that it's it's moot because they're not, you can't be an active terrorist 70 years from where the, right, right, like right. where you can't your be an active terrorist on a, life, on a lifeboat, essentially. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Because that's what Voyager essentially is. Everybody's just trying to live. So I get right, that. But they fall back into chain of command so fast and decide, yes, I'm Federation and I'm not, you know, like there should have been a thing at the end when they get back to Earth at the end of Voyager about whether or not the Maquis, what the Maquis situation. When they split all up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they don't because they're they're, not friends anymore. Yeah, because they've had seven years and they're just like, oh, we forgot about that. Who cared? Yeah. And it also does get resolved some, but we're not there yet. So it does bother me that I feel that they don't give Cisco a definitive point of view on the Maki because I do think that it is a legitimate, like they've stumbled upon a legitimately sort of interesting political issue that makes the Federation look bad. Uh, yeah. But also they've done a, it makes me, I mean, I'm just going to go there. The end when Michael Eddington gives us okay, a little we, model. We've got like, okay. yeah, we might okay. as well go. Right. I mean, other than following Cassidy Yates and suspecting her and then sending and then pointing him on the boondog on the Badlands, what was there beside the B plot? Well, yeah, the, there's so much stuff with Cisco not wanting to believe it. And they, yes, like, that's true. Odo and Eddington come up and they're like, look, your girlfriend's probably, and he's like, no, 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 no. And they're like, but seriously. And he's like, I'm going to give her a pass. And they're like, what? And then he says, actually, and you think he's being too nice to her about it, but he's a good commander, you know? He's so he's like, mm-hmm. but actually follow the ship. Because at first he's like, we can't treat her differently because she's a Federation citizen. And then Eddington's like, oh, she's she's my case. She's not Federation. And then he's like, well, just if you can find a reason to search her ship, do it. I, I'm, I don't yeah. want this to happen. And they're like, okay. And then they find a reason to... And then she she goes to her boyfriend and says, I got to go now. And then he's like, oh, OK, baby, you can go. And then Eddington is kind of looking at him and crossing his arms. And he's like, Eddington, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <She's> like, <laughs> Do you have something to say, Commander? No, sir. Oh, do you, do you have something to say, Lieutenant Dick? And he's like, uh, no, I have nothing to say. But he's also a good commander or good captain. So he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I know you think I'm doing the wrong thing, but look, I know Cassidy Yates too. You weren't going to find anything. So just let her go and you and Worf get on the Defiant and follow her. And they're like, oh, okay. And then they go and follow and then they find out, yeah, she does meet. Also Eddington's face, because if he didn't bite on this, his whole plan is shot to shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he's also, like, he's, like, if you watch it, like, the second watch through, I I noticed that all of it, like, I think Eddie, the actor, Kroll, the actor who plays him, (laughs) I think it's like, Kroll, I I think he's pretty great at, like, in this episode. God. And one of the things he's doing is all of these times where Cisco is deciding to be a, not go along with the the plan. Yeah, yeah. He gets, like, these irritations, but it reads the first time you watch it as, 
He's got a security. He, he reads like Oda would read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But really, he, you know, I mean, it's just, part of the reason why it irritates me. Is that <laughs> is that he's so duplicitous or that it's like yeah, he's moving in on that Odo territory. <laughs> That's Odo's no, job. He is moving in on Odo territory. He was brought in almost. You're not you're not my real Odo. I also should point out at this point that the reason they made him Maki, you're, they, they did not intend him to be. They it's because everybody just hated him and thought he was a creep. They intended for him to be a founder. Oh, and everybody on and everybody on the news groups. It was Ashfok all over again. Everyone on the news groups <laughs> knew it, and they just never got around to. Re- they were going to reveal it later, and uh, everyone on the news groups were guessing that, so they had to change it. Interesting. Whoa. Yeah. So blow your mind. <laughs> yeah. He tells him and Odo tell Cisco like, look, and we have contacts in the Maquis. Somebody in the Maquis started living on the station six months ago. Mm-hmm. It, and they're like, it's your girlfriend. But it's like, oh, it, it could also be Eddington. I guess where it could be both of them. <laughs> so, yeah. And then they go off. So during uh, during his uh, wondering about Cassidy's scene, there's this weird quirky scene where I think that Avery Brooks has a has an off note as an actor. And it's when Jake comes in and he's like, Cassidy, I like her so much. She's got me into this coffee with this essentially a biscotti. Oh, uh, and so he's yeah, sticks- the macapa bread. If you dip it in there and the foam tastes like mint and the bread tastes like I don't know what. I don't know what yeah. it tastes like biscotti, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so he sticks the biscotti in the the rock to Cheeto and it blow it like yeah. it foams. Yeah. And yeah. Cisco makes this like pained look on his face. And I can't tell like what the fuck that was. It was such a weird like acting choice oh. for such a normal scene. And I wonder like this is where I came up with this is Avery Brooks, as far as acting goes, is he a junk ball a hitter? Like where he hits like all of the weird tones, like he can he can get you any weird big heightened emotion. <laughs> but if you just throw what like straight across slow ball across the plate, he can't hit it for some reason. <laughs> so like he has to, like he can't do normal stuff. He can only do the heightened extreme of of oh, these things. Because I I saw that scene as like. His son is talking about how much he loves Cassidy Yates, and he it, mm-hmm. Jake has that great line like, "Oh, you miss her. You miss her companionship. You miss talking. You miss talking about yeah. captain and command shit. You miss getting laid, Dad." And 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 Cisco has these uh, worries that she's a maquis, and he knows that this is not going to end well when he has to arrest her. So I saw, I read it as him being like, Jake. Don't get too attached to her. No, he freaked out at the I mean, I, foam. I, I'm saying that specifically how he reacted to the foam is right. weird. Well, but because the foam was because Cassidy Yates told me about this. Because it's a thing. He's like, where'd you learn that? What's it? And he's like, oh, what, why is waffles and eggs or whatever it is not good enough for you? He's like, because Cassidy told me about this. And he's like, oh, he's getting attached to Cassidy. That's, that's, that's how I read it. But yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm the he first looks guy. Like, that... He looks like someone stepped on his nuts. Is what he looks like. Yeah, yeah he like that, jumps no, none out of, of that his... bothered me. <laughs> and I, I know, it's just weird. It, yeah, it was a weird moment. It didn't bother it, but you know, I'm the, I'm the I'm the first to jump on Avery Brooks is overacting. It looked like <laughs> in know, that moment, like I like, thought he's great in this. No, episode. I think he's. Like so I've already said, I think he's absolutely great in this oh, episode. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. That yeah, was yeah. just a weird moment, and I couldn't understand what what kind of choice he was making there. So I, I, they just made me wonder, like, if that that that's something that I noticed that he hard, has a hard time doing natural things. He can only do in, right, right, intense things. 
Yeah, no, that's fair enough. He's not the most naturalistic actor all the time. No. So, okay, so where are we at? So, yeah, they go out, and then they have the defiant trip where Worf is like, this is where we get the Maki stuff or whatever, like, oh, the, the Maki should be hunted down and destroyed, and O'Brien has like, they have a point, you know. And, yeah. And he's like, they're terrorists, they're terrorists, and they don't, they should be locked up, and O'Brien's like, don't say that shit around Kira, okay? <laughs> She's a terrorist. Yeah, yeah, and I guess that was the point is that I don't really. And then Eddington is like, I got no opinions. And then Eddington actually says like, "What matters to me is doing my job like a Starfleet officer." Like a Starfleet officer. Anything else is an indulgence. He needs to look like an officer because he can't. He doesn't have to be one. He has to look like one because he's undercover. That scene was weird to me because I think that they give. I think that that, that it's pretty clear that. The writers want to like the Maquis. They gave Comini talking about the Maquis a, a very distinctive, powerful sort of defense of the Maquis. Right. And I guess that fell to Worf to have a, but I don't understand Worf's, like, I mean, I guess that it's it's back to Hugh's shifting definition of honor. I don't find what the Maquis are doing dishonorable. They're fighting a bigger foe. And well, this is how. Worf's a hardliner. That I mean, it, it wasn't about whether. It wasn't the writers trying to say the Maquis are one thing or the other. It's like just two opinion because no, they never decided. Well, his opinion is that the, being a terrorist is dishonorable, right? Because that's, but that's just, exactly what the Klingons would do, right? Unless it's against the Klingon, right? Yeah. Because so it, yeah, his you know, defense of it was pretty empty, and they even made it empty because literally O'Brien threw it away with one line. Don't right. don't tell that to right. Don't well, tell that to Kira. Yeah. Yeah, right. They, but the Klingons are kind of fascistic. fascistic I get know. that, but I wish. That, and then it fell to Michael Eddington. And then I wish that a writer mm-hmm. could have wrote Michael Eddington giving this like prosecution against the Maquis. I think that would have been a better thing to write in that moment, instead of basically being this sort of bland cipher. See, which is I think what he's trying to show. He said he's this bland right, cipher. But yeah. if that, see, I appreciated that just because the way he said it, like. Because it seems like, hey, I don't have an opinion, but he he does. If you read the line, it's like he's trying to his hardest to yeah. pass as a star. Yeah, officer. I mean, he's essentially he's what they used to call assault. Like it's where you go work in a factory and try to start up a union slowly over years. Yeah, but you still like are just the guy working in a factory. Mm-hmm. And I think that like that's a, he's essentially assault. He or I mean he's a he's a spy, but he's he's trying to foment he's things. A sleeper the, agent though. He's I mean, a sleeper so, agent, but he's like but yeah. in yeah, and but so he's the actively. Same, but in the same in a real way, if listen, he's a sleeper agent, but if some bad guys were were gonna blow up the station or whatever, he still needs to like do his job to make sure the bad guys yes. don't blow up the station. Yes. Mm-hmm. So in a very real way, he is still a secu- like a Federation security dude. So this is take one of I think they wasted and I they wasted an opportunity to put ideas into Michael Eddington's mouth that could have been powerful mm. because I don't like I mean I get what they're doing like he says it and he's kind of a cipher and then you're sort of thinking about saying it like that but I don't think that I I don't I, it would have been nice to have a like a I th- it would have been nice to have a hard prosecution of the Maki because they haven't the show doesn't I think write they, one they do I think they do they save it for the end see I don't think they do that in e- either. Well, okay. But, uh, but okay, yeah. So. Cassidy Yates is going to. Well, there, there's the baseball game that she wants to go to. The Yankees, sixty-one Yankees for the versus the seventy-eight Red Sox. Do we believe that? Did you believe that Cassidy Yates is? I mean, when the first time you watched it at this scene, do you believe that she's with the Maquis 
because I mean, you see her. Yeah, I thought she was. Well, I think she was just. I'm, I don't think she's like for the mod. I'm saying when you saw it. Yeah, I meant oh, as a watcher of the show. I thought she definitely was as a person rewatching the show. As a watcher yeah, of the show, yeah. As a watcher of the show, the minute she tried to get him to move, like to get out of that, I was like, "Oh shit, she really is with doing shit with her mark." Mark. <laughs> That, at that yeah, point, yeah. Well, I was always un- I was unsure because the way I remembered the show, you know, I've watched it. This is like my second or third or however mm-hmm. rewatch. I knew Eddington was a monkey. Yeah. And then I was like, oh wait, this episode. I thought they were doing the dangling the carrot, making you think that Cassidy was going to be monkey. And then they're like, I thought maybe that I that forgot. Was, I forgot she was monkey too. Yeah, that they were leading you on to think that, and they were going to snatch it away. Yeah. So, and I think that I, I just got a lot of, I probably watched it close to how someone who'd never seen it before watched it, where I'm kind of like, well, how are they going to explain away? What's the, what's the explain away from all of this? Right. Because I knew that Michael, it was all a Michael Eddington ploy, but I didn't know, like, I forgot that there was there. Yeah. The second yeah. time I watched it through, Penny Johnson is like, she says that she knew it the second time he came to her. Yeah. So that was like she's she was had a couple of scenes where she was duplicitously lying to Cisco. Yes, she was. Yeah, yeah. yeah and because he keeps asking about her trade routes to Dreon. Because she was doing some real shit that can get her out of the, her citizenship revoked. She was doing some real bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. So I think that when you go back on it, I think that you know he could have. I mean, I'm glad he's not. She's a good character, and I, you know, she's good for. But right, he could right. have been super pissed at her and and had been justified. Yeah, yeah. Because, but and he, the whole time, like, the, he's pulling strings for her. Like, even he has that scene before she goes off for the last time where he, he's like, he knows. The Riza scene. Right, yeah. He knows that she's been, because they've already had Eddington and Worf follow her and say, yeah, she met mm-hmm. with Maquis. And she's like, she's like, I'm sorry, I have to make one more run to the, the Tholians, which are big virus-looking people anyways. They have a viral outbreak and they need this medicine. And then that scene where he comes up and was like, look, you and me. We won't even pack a bag. We'll walk straight out of here, get in a runabout and go. Because he knows he's willing to break the rules for her. That like, that's also, this is the Cisco. Cisco is willing to bend the rules for the people he cares about. Because he knows at this point that she's working with the Maquis. Mm-hmm. But he, he loves her and he's like, look, just please don't go. Just come to Ryza with me. And, you know. I don't know. Could he lose his command because for this kind of stuff? Cause... I think he was laying a trap for her. I think that was like a last bit. Oh, he was most definitely laying a if trap. If she said yes, then he he can wiggle out of it, but he's pretty sure that she's not a Maki agent. Really? But when she said that she couldn't, then that was like the, that was like, he. that's when he knew. Really? I, that's when he knew. I totally disagree. Well, I didn't see that at all. I saw it as him saying, look, I know he. it was him because he loves her and like, because he already knows she, it wasn't a final test for me. It was like, look, if you go on this, you're going to get arrested and you're going to let your crew go and get you and me. You can deny culpability if you're not on the show. Yeah, I think that if she, yeah. And I'm willing to leave it behind because I didn't see it as a test. And then when she's like, no, I got to go. And both of them kind of know almost what the deal is in the back of their minds. They're like, Look, I've got my own commitments. You have yours. Mm. And she's like, look, I'll just meet you at Rise if you want to take a runabout and meet me there. And it's like, no, forget about it. I, I was being crazy. But mm. because the thing was, like, look, I'm willing to set this aside for us and just to, to get you out of this. Like, I'm giving you an out. 
And he gives her an out over and over again throughout this episode that he's kind of protecting her to an extent. And then she she goes anyways, and then Eddington convinces him to take the runabout because Eddington is like, look, if I go on the Defiant out there and we get in a fight with the Maquis and she dies, you're going to be pissed. So I'd rather stay here at the station. And then Cisco's like, yeah, I would be pissed. Okay, I'm going to go. If anyone's going to arrest her, I should do it anyways. And yeah, he goes out there. And then, like you were saying, like a while ago, like, yeah, they figure out that Eddington's got this been playing him the whole time. But then he just lets her go. Again, he he cuts her a break. Because they realize that the station's where the problem is and they need to get back. And Odo, I think, is like, why'd you just let her go? Because, like, look, man, we had to... Yeah, he's willing to let her go again because he he's bending the rules when he could take them prisoner. He puts Odo in his place in that little scene too. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was where he goes. Do you have any prop? Do you have a problem with that? Well, thank you to leave it at that. <laughs> no, no, yeah. So as you wish. Like that was putting him quite a bit in the eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets home, then they get back, and it's like immediately they're like all. There's no sort of ciphering. It's Michael Eddington. They just cut to a scene where they're all like, "Where the fuck's Michael Eddington? We're gonna get him, right?" Right. Well, because yeah. Michael Eddington. Well, he. In between, Michael Eddington just shoots Kira because he's yeah. got all the Starfleet security officers saying, you can't tell the Bajorans about this. I'm going to get in on a Vulcan transport. And, and he tells the guy, he tells the guy, you're, 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 you get the deep space that's yours. And he's like, me, sir. But I'm a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Lieutenant so, Reeves is like, I'm a junior officer, man. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? I was like, what are you, do you don't want it? It's like, well, okay, I'll do it. And then, and then he he leaves, and then and then yeah, immediately they're back on the station, and and Cisco is just like he fucked me, <laughs> he got away with it, and he's pissed. Yeah. So yeah. that brings us to the Michael Eddington speech. Yes. About the Federation, which I I think is a you, I I don't know I don't get you didn't like it because I thought it was a, I thought it was great. What is the critique of the Federation that he gives? At first, he's like, fuck, it's just leave us. He's right. Like, leave us alone. Our quarrel's not with you. We're fighting the Cardassians over a right to exist and all of this shit. And that stuff's right. And then he goes into this thing about, like, the Federation, like, they can't conceive that people don't want to be a part of them. Right. Yeah. It's the same thing that all the, it's like Deep Space's nine whole, like, outsider thesis of, like, the critique of the. People don't like. People yeah. don't like living in a utopia. They're cloying. Yeah. Well, you can't. The the thing that you can't handle about us, the Maquis, is like we said. Maybe we don't want to be in your little paradise, and it just it gets your goat so much that we left because your whole thing is about bringing everybody in and assimilating. You're worse than the Borg. But shouldn't the argument and be? It's, the argument is that as he put it forth, is that I don't want to be a part. We don't want to be a part of a paradise. But that's not what a, the argument should be. You don't live in paradise. Right. Well, you the, guys are compromised motherfuckers. Well, it's like that should be the argument. And that's not the argument he makes. He even likens them to the board because they're trying to assimilate Cardassians in and let the Cardassians live in paradise. And well, I'm just thinking, like, says, shouldn't they want that? That's not a flaw. Right. Well, it's not that we left paradise. It's like you think that you're perfect. You think you're paradise. And the fact that we would leave because you fucked us over is such an affront to you is his whole point. That's why you can't. That's why yeah, it's still a pretty. Weak, that's why you get so that's mad not about what he says. That's, frame, yeah. But no, it is what he says. He says when you leave, that's their opinion about the Federation. We're paradise. 
And when you do this treaty and we we say we don't want that and that once yeah anybody that it's like anybody that leaves that's pisses you off so much that you just can't handle it and which is fair okay but is the problem is is the problem that the federation's a bad boyfriend who doesn't take a dumping or or is it that they is the problem like michael eddington made the argument i'm just gonna like really like base it down here that Michael Eddington's argument is, I dumped you and you can't get over it. And that's why you're an asshole. Where the argument should be, I dumped you because you're an asshole. And I don't feel like everybody... Well, no, th- we dumped you the Maquis because you're so keen on bringing other people into this relationship that you're fucking over the people that you're with. And we're like, fuck it, we're, we can't... You're so enamored with assimilating and bringing in the Cardassians... This asshole, the Cardassians are dicks, and you're and you're treating us, the people that you're involved with intimately with, you're treating us like dicks because you're trying to court these assholes. And we're like, fuck it, you're gonna try to, you wanna, you wanna get with the Cardassians, but you're gonna treat us like shit. Well, fuck you, we're leaving. I guess that's and then fine. You get all pissed off because we're leaving. Because how dare you but leave? The, me? Okay, but it could be fixed by a treaty. Right. Well, the treaty is well, what's fucked well, it no, up. No, I know, but I'm second treaty. They could have a second treaty that could fix all of their problems, and if they did that, all of the Maquis would. You're then, saying that there's a political answer. There's a political solution. There's a political answer. It's not a. It's not a cultural divide. Well, they have that, like a, so a second treaty could fix their problem, and if that happens, then Michael Eddington and Chakotay and everybody else would want to go back to being in the Federation because it's good, right? Nobody has a substantive critique well, of the Federation. Okay. Well, yeah, other yeah, than well, okay. they fucked oh, this one treaty up, right? Yeah. Well, okay, James. Okay, James. But the treaty that was made was the basis that the Cardassians aren't going to take a better treaty. The, the better treaty would be like give the mm-hmm. Maquis back their planets in the DMZ. Yeah. And if that happened, maybe that would change everything. But that's not happening. The Cardassians are still dicks. The Cardassians are playing like North Korea and or Iran and fucking over the treaty and running roughshod, and the Maquis are basically the people that are saying we don't trust the Iran Treaty, right? Because they're still fucking well, over. No, they're no, being- they're saying that they got fucked over in the treaty. They clearly got fucked over. There was relocation. So uh, that right, right. Yeah. Well, so but and so also it wasn't. So they and also the Cardassians. The Cardassians will stick to the letter of the treaty, but. I mean, part of the Maquis' whole beef is that the Cardassians are duplicitous, and th- this treaty, they don't care about it. I guess my point is, is that the Maquis are not fighting to be a separate... They are fighting to be a separate culture, but there's no reason for them to want that. They should just be fighting to get this fixed. They are, but you can't trust the Cardassians because the Cardassians don't trust the treaty, and the Federation takes the treaty more... Uh, the Cardassians sign the treaty... But they don't take no, it seriously. No, that's not... The though. Federation takes it seriously. No, that's what that se- season seven of, of TNG is all about. Is that the... Yeah, but it's we're because... Sp- we guys, I, we're pulling a Lorca and splitting hairs. Basically, <laughs> what James's, James's point is, is that there is it should be a political solution to this one problem. Mm-hmm. And and I think... But there's not. But the, why why not? Because the one problem, because there is one. Because the Cardassians are duplicitous. No, and you no, can't you're giving a reason why there's the not. Mar- but my argument is that that's the that's the Maquis argument. Okay, a political fix. Yes, could fix this problem. 
It could, but it hasn't. I understand that. And that's they, one of the marquee. Because they didn't do that in the story. <laughs> I think that's what we're... Well, but yeah. yeah, the story... Yeah, well, exactly. Because this in the story, you can't solve it with a political treaty. Because you can't trust the Cardassians. That's the Maquis' point of view. And the show's... Star Trek kind of backs that up by saying so that they, they would what rather fight them. So, yes. so they would what whether fight them outside of the Federation. Well, that's a dumber option. Wouldn't you rather have a continental class starship defending your colony? <laughs> but they, but James, but James, they don't have that because of the treaty. I, uh, yes, I understand they would so that, much but rather if they have fix a the treaty. They would have it, but they can't. They can't fix the treaty. They haven't fixed the treaty. There was no political. Why? There's. You're saying there's no political recourse. Like there's not even a faction of the Marquis who advocates for that. They don't have a substantive critique of the Federation outside of this treaty sucks. Well, yeah. I have a ton of issues with my country. I have a ton of them. What? Many of them I could. I mean, not right now, but it could get bad. And I could do and I could be a part of a cause that rebels against that. But I am not not American. And I would seek to 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 force through terrorism or through armed resistance. I would seek to force a political solution. And once that political solution is brought to fruition, then I get to be American again. But James, the, and I think the Maquis don't have that political solution because the Federation has said you have to leave and they're not willing to. I'm not saying that they're, they're right, trying, but, but my that's argument the, is that's, that they're trying to make that change. Why do they but have they, to? They're not able to, guys. That's we're the, getting that's into, the writing of the show. To, this is. The, I think. That, I think that. I think that there is a flaw that they don't at least have somebody in the Maquis advocating for a political solution. Perhaps like, you're right. It, yes. Even in a line, it, you could have. A, you fact, could have. A, you could have a line that. That's the problem with the Maquis is that they're dicks and they're not. You have a ter- You have a terrorist say something like, and then there's some of us who believe that one day we can that the Federation will fix this through uh, normal political channels or something like that. Or like the, we've got some people who are trying to draft a new, a new treaty or something, mm-hmm. you know, there's right. It's, but it's, your, your position right now is basically Worf's position that they've decided to be terrorists. So fuck them. No, and not at all. I'm right. saying that it's poorly written. Why? If you have the Maquis as a function to give a critique of the Federation, Yes. Then have a critique of the Federation because the Maquis don't have one. But they do. They have a critique of a treaty. Yes. They are not actually critiquing the way that the Federation lives. They're not making a cultural, social, society, like a historical critique okay. of the Federation. They are critiquing a peace treaty. They should uh, they are freedom fighters, and I like them. I agree with them. They should graze up arms and fight for what they view as justice. But that is a they are they are fighting ultimately to get a political solution yes. to fix the treaty. Yes. And once the treaty is fixed, then they will go back to their homeland, the Federation, because they like it other than the treaty. Yes. Okay. But in the show. I'm just talking about in the show and the speech that Eddington gives at the end. He says, yes, exactly. We're fighting to get this fixed. And because of this treaty that you Federation types have not fixed, we left the Federation. That's fine. And you can't handle that we left the Federation, so you are attacking us over and over again. And so we're pissed off. And then 
Cisco rightfully says, yeah, yeah, yeah. You say that's what you're, that's about, but that, and that you, that you'll leave us alone if we leave you alone. But as soon as we, as you see another ship to raid, you're just going to raid us again. But I mean, I don't know. I, yes, they're arguing for a political solution. No, I and see, they I, don't they, get it. But I, I, okay. But I think that what they want to use, what the writers want to use it for, is to make a, a legitimate critique of the Federation. Because that's what the show wants, right? And I don't see that. Like, I think the people of Catalan, the people right now, the people of Catalan that are fighting for independence from Spain have a just a social critique, mm-hmm. a, a, a full out critique. They are not fight. They are not wanting to leave Spain because of some policy or or law. It's a series of they just don't feel Spanish and they don't like Spanish people. Mm -hmm. And for historical reasons, they're forced to be Spanish. And and so they want to secede. The Maquis don't seem that way. If they had, like, I guess I'm saying that I wish the writers had wrote that because that would be more interesting because I would like to see a legitimate critique of the Federation. I think this show needs a legitimate critique of the Federation, but we don't get it, but we get all this bullshit like we're getting it. I don't know what to tell you, man. They left, the the Federation is pissed, and they're like, fuck you guys, and they're like, we have legitimate reasons, and you're not, because you take the, you, the, the Cardassians don't take, take the treaty as seriously as you do, but we're all goody-goody two-shoes, so we stand by our word no matter what. But the Cardassians don't live like that, so we're not going to live like that. Yeah. That's the Maquis' position. And that's it's fine that you think that I it think should my be entire, wronger. My entire point is, is I wish that the writers had come up with a but better... To me, that feels like a legitimate... Wronger. I, mean, I, just, I just feel like that, that's not... I don't know. Well... Yeah, guys, okay. I don't know. It doesn't we, seem as should we we need to we need to wrap this bitch up because yeah <laughs> yeah we do it's it's uh we're gone we've gone along on time. Do you guys want to uh you guys got any final thoughts other than the Maquis is an extremely sticky wicket and we knew it was gonna get live every time the Maquis comes up <laughs> right. it, it's gonna get live here on the rules of acquisition. Do you have any simple questions of why does I mean other than he's in love with her why does he treat Cassidy Yates. Why does he approach Edding Ed, than Eddington? Yeah. Oh well, that's what I. That's what I was. What I wanted to get into was what this Eddington, him being so hurt by Eddington fucking over, but forgiving Cassidy at the end. Well, because one, Cassidy's a lot more lovable than Eddington, obviously. Well, also she does the right. She does it. She got caught. She shows us up. She's not like I. Yeah. She's a business person. She doesn't give two shits probably what the Maquis right or wrong. She was doing something. No, she does. That's why she's giving. She's like they needed medicine. I know, but listen, she but she's also a business. She she did the right thing. She's a more. You know, she got caught. She's coming back. Right. She she's the moral person. She agrees morally with the Maquis, which is possible. Or she just believes that people who need medicine should be able to get it. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. Which I mean that's the not Federation the same. That's believe. not the same as believing that that the treaty should be honored or not. No, no. So but it's still enough. It's still enough to break the laws of the Federation. It is that, that yes. So my point is that she got caught. She isn't going to make Ben look any worse or put in, give him any more grief. She's going to do the right thing and come back. So she comes back. 
Right. When she doesn't have to. because She doesn't have to. So that automatically get, puts her in a better class in Eddington. Because uh, he lets her go. And then like Odo's like, we're not seeing her again. And she comes back anyway because she's doing the right thing. Right. Even though she lets her crew off. But, but the fact and then Eddington, when Eddington gives him that whole spiel or whatever, which I think is I, I mean, we argued way too long about whether that was a definitive argument against the Federation. But what I like about Cisco is like, look, man, I don't give a shit about your reasons here. Mm. I don't give a damn what you think of the Federation, the Marquis or anything. else. I don't care. You made me look like a fool one and I will chase you to the ends of the earth because you don't know me. And then Eddington says, no, no, I know you. You're a Federation type. I know the Federation. I know you, Cisco. I was once like you. And Cisco's like, oh, you think you know me, fucking asshole? You don't know me. I will chase you to the ends of the earth. I will do anything it takes to put you in a prison. And if it takes me the rest of my life, I will see you standing before a court-martial that'll break you and send you to a penal colony where you will spend the rest of your days growing old and wondering whether a ship full of replicators was really worth it. I'm coming for you, motherfucker. To the point where I think that, like, I mean... It, it almost spo- pays off what happens later for well, me. Well, spoiler... It, but I don't want to say much more. I think that it shows... I, I think it's, a, like, yeah, it shows... It's, I don't know. I need to watch the episode again. But, like, it, like the uh, second... We will. The sis- yeah, we yeah, will. Yeah, the, the sister episode of this is uh, one of the high, most controversial sort of things that happens in in all of Deep Space Nine. Yeah, so, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And his response to Eddington in the second episode. So I think that that we'll we'll revisit a lot of this, but uh, I don't. I mean, I think that that's. I mean, that that's totally that's totally understandable how Cisco responds to it. right, uh, and and is the most compelling thing about it. Yeah, because he can agree. Like he could probably learn to sympathize with some of the Maquis positions, but that's like, look, man, that's not what I'm about. I don't care. Like. That's not why I'm after you. It's just weird to watch this episode. <laughs> you, can, you can talk it up. I've had my best friend from from forever come out as my key. He didn't convince me to be on your side. Eddington, you're not going to pull this shit off. It's a little shit, Eddington. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, you guys want to move on and, and uh, get into what we think or guess what the good people of IMDb thought this episode was? Uh, yeah. Who wants to go first? I'm going to say 7.5. I've been going high a lot, so I'll I'll go high. I think it's seven point seven point nine. All right. Well, uh, we've got six hundred and ninety votes, which is a pretty good number, and it's a seven point eight. All right. People like this episode, guys. Man, I, where what about rewatchies? Oh, where are we on the rewatch? I would probably put this about a seven. I seven or eight. I mean, it's pretty high for me. I'd yeah, something yeah. worth visiting. Yeah, yeah, I think I would. I, I, eight you don't or nine. get to see. Yeah. You don't get to see the wool get pulled over Cisco's eyes too much. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, a, uh, he gets really thrown for a loop. It is, it's it's Cisco's Empire Strikes Back. Yes, it really is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Cassidy stuff is pretty great in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. But he's really light, vulnerable. That he's really like that. Is, I mean, that uh, it's just such a satisfying episode for that. Yeah. Open your eyes, Captain. Why is the Federation so obsessed with the Maquis? We've never harmed you, and yet we're constantly arrested and charged with terrorism. Starships chase us through the Badlands, and our supporters are harassed and ridiculed. Why? Because we've left the Federation, and that's the one thing you can't accept. 
Nobody leaves Paradise. Everyone should want to be in the Federation. Hell, you even want the Cardassians to join. You're only sending them replicators because one day they can take their rightful place on the Federation Council. You know, in some ways, you're even worse than the Borg. At least they tell you about their plans for assimilation. You're more insidious. You assimilate people. And they don't even know it. You know it, Mr. Eddington. So we went long on this one where we might skip the voicemails, but we want to hear from you later on, or right now. We want to hear from you. So give us a call and give us your thoughts about Deep Space Nine at 917-408-3898 or send us an email at rulesofacquisitionpodcast at gmail.com. Check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash kickers of elves where we for all all the stuff that we do all super fun yeah 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 there's a lot of it and uh yeah and you know the rest of it do all the other things that every podcast has you to do rate us and you know that we haven't gotten those in a while uh yeah do it <laughs> do it up <laughs> all right thank you for joining us for another episode of the rules of acquisition we hope you join us next week for another discussion about deep space nine for Wade, James, and myself, Hugh, three to beam out. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line, where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes? They will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917 408 3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication. We know you love that. Again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.